Good to be saved. Amen. Good to know him. And I believe that song was just right on target. And uh, I appreciate when the Lord does that during the service. I remember I remember R.A. White. You remember R.A. White, brother? A, a preacher in our area. Pastored a lot of mountain churches. He said, I'm persuaded that God can prepare the message uh, you know, for you during the week. He said, but as I've gotten older and more, you know, wise to God's will, he said, I've tried to be sensitive in the service about the songs and the testimonies. He said, to follow the Lord's leading to make sure that I'm on track and give the congregation what they stand in need of. And I appreciate the Lord speaking to our heart about that this morning. It was our great honor to hear Brother Rains, uh, a hero of mine, many years before he ever knew who I was. And uh, But uh, I appreciate the Lord and the pillars that the Lord has in our lives. Um, folks that uh, are there, have been there, and are still standing and serving the Lord and loving the Lord. And, and uh, it is certainly good to be saved. Amen. If you'll stand with us and turn your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 1. And the Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And if the Lord will be our helper this morning, I feel like the Lord wants us to preach on, just keep on praying. Fathers, we bow before you, Lord, today. We thank you that in and of ourselves, Lord, we're nothing, we have nothing to offer outside of your word. And Father, the sweet Holy Spirit, Lord, doing the work, oh, that's what we bring. And uh, I'm glad, Lord, if we have you, we have all we need. And Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord, in this life to serve you. And then, Lord, this morning we pray for those that stand in need. Lord, all of us, Lord, are needy creatures. We all have individual needs. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that you know individually all those cares, all the troubles. Lord, all the, all the in Spanish, is desafios. Lord, all the challenges, Lord, that we stand, that, that stand in front of us. But I'm glad that there is a God in heaven. And Lord, that you not only hear, not only do you, do you know, Lord, our prayer, but I'm glad that you can do something about it. We're not serving Confucius or, or Buddha or, or Muhammad or, or some false religion today. But I'm glad, Lord, that we serve the God of the Bible and the God of heaven. Lord, I'm glad that uh, just as Moses, Lord, met with you, just as Paul met with you and Isaiah met with you, I'm glad, Lord, that we can meet with you. And, Father, we're humbled, Lord, into your presence. Lord, we ask, God, that thy will be done, Lord, that you would speak to us and help us, dear Lord Jesus. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Here in this text, I'll come back to the text in a moment, but in Luke 18 it says that men ought always to pray and not to faint, it makes me think of the book of First Timothy where the scripture says that it says, And men uh, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. It's actually more normal 
uh, for you to see a man out in public lifted up his hand to God, amen, than for it to be a rarity. But that is the day we live in. Uh, if you see somebody out in public do that, you know, you know, people these days, they don't think about that. But that is, uh, that's a sign of prayer. The Bible says that clearly in Timothy, that he says, men lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And uh, when you look in Scripture and you talk about prayer, we see that, number one, that we're to pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we ought to pray without ceasing. But then we ought to pray fervently. James five sixteen through 18 says, Confess your faults one to another, pray one for another, that you may be healed, that the, the effectual, here's the, the thought, the text thought, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, this fervency is a fiery heated prayer. I remember whenever I first got right with the Lord, I had never been in, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't, I wasn't around praying. But whenever I started going to church with Darlene and started going to church with my mom and dad, uh, they would get in the altar and they would pray, both of them being old-fashioned independent Baptist churches, and they would get in there and pray. And I, man, I tell you, I, I liked it, amen. I, I'd never been around it, but I thought, boy, there's something to that, amen. And uh, I didn't know that it wasn't normal until, uh, until I moved to, down on the border of Texas. We went to language school. I didn't realize that everybody didn't pray like that because at Old Toxaway they did and at Calvary Mission they did uh, where my mom got saved and, and then all the other churches I went to, they, they just all gathered together and prayed. And I didn't know, I didn't know any. I remember getting in the, in the altar over on the right-hand side of the pulpit and, and I would get in there and pray and some of the same old saints would, you know, they had their place where they'd go and pray and and I can remember Dewey Powell. He was an old mountain preacher. He'd get there and pray and some other men. I can remember just sitting there and listening to him pray. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I sure would like to be able to pray like that. Amen. I thought, boy, man, that's something. We can all pray together and God hears it all at the same time. We don't mess him up. He's not confused. We went down the border of Mexico there and, uh, in language school and uh, the, the pastor, we were in a missions conference and, and uh, he, he, he gathered the men before service to pray and I said, man, I like this. And we went into the study there to pray by the Seavers and, and, uh, and, and back where, where I was raised, you know, 30 years ago, well, when, when you pray, they'll say, Brother Fanning, would you lead us in prayer? And then I will start praying, and then everybody joins in. And when everybody says their last amen, then I close the prayer. I mean, that's the, that's the order of the normal services I was used to. Well, we got together into that service back there with Brother Yant, sweetheart. And I don't know if you still remember this, but it's kind of funny, you know, we... All those men were gathered together, and and uh, and Brother Yant said, Brother Fanning, would you open us in prayer? And so I just began to pray, I mean, you know, like I was used to praying, and I prayed, and, and nobody else was praying, and I thought, boy, 
Well, I don't know. Maybe they just all pray quietly. So I just finished praying, prayed for about 10 minutes. And, and uh, whenever I got done, it just got, you could have heard a pin drop. And then he called on the next man beside me. And, called, and then he called on the next guy. And the next guy, they went all the way around the room. And everybody prayed one at a time. And my thought was, boy, if they'd all prayed at one time, we'd have got done 15 minutes ago. The Bible says men ought always to pray and not to faint. And the reason there the Bible teaches us that great truth is because prayer is the key. Y'all sing that song, I know a man who can, amen? And that's what prayer is. Prayer is not only praying without ceasing and praying fervently, he says, Elias was a man uh, subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly. That's that fervent prayer, earnest prayer. The best commentary on the Scriptures is the Scriptures, and it it says here that effectual, fervent prayer, so that effectual, fervent prayer is laid out as a earnest prayer. He prayed earnestly. That means he prayed in sincerity. I never will forget, brother, going to my grandmother. She was a, a old Church of God bunwer and a saint, the old old Church of God. I we have more fellowship with them than these charismatics today. But my mamma knowed God, and I went to her and I said, "Mamma," I said, "I'm learning about praying and learning how to pray." And I mean, we'd hear the Rochester sing that song, the old rock altar. And, and I said, what is a rock altar? You know, what is that? And, and uh, the Lord allowed us to go up on the mountain. I, I went to Mamma. I said, just tell me about that, Mamma. What is a rock altar? She said, well, when I was a little girl, Bam Bam, that's what they called me. She said, when I was a little girl, she said, I, we walked to church and said, if we wanted to go to church every Sunday during the month, we had to go where the preacher was preaching. Because one Sunday he'd preach at Old Toxaway, one Sunday he'd preach at Macedonia, next Sunday he'd preach at Woods Memorial, said, but you'd have to just walk and wherever he was. And she said, we'd come to church early, said about 9 o'clock, and he'd preach, and then we'd have dinner on the grounds, and then after we got done eating, then we'd have another service, and then everybody went home. And I said, what about that, ma'am? I, I said, and, and now tell me what you were saying. She said, well, she said, on our way to church, she said, I always hear, she said, up on that mountain, she said, Mr. McCall would be up on top of that mountain praying. She said, we'd walk a little further, and she said, Mr. Owen would be up on the top of that other mountain on Sunday morning early praying. She said, I remember walking to church, hearing those, they weren't preachers, they were men of God, they were Christian men. Amen, that we're praying to God. And, and, and that's what a rock altar was. It was a, a place to pick up a stone, amen, and to go lay it down because there was something on your heart. I, I, I remember asking her when they, about fasting. I said, Mamma, tell me about fasting. And she said, well, she said, she said, fasting, well, usually she said, when I fast, it's because i got something to fast about. I was waiting for some profound thing, you know, scripturally from the Bible. But that stuck with me more than anything. Boy, that when we get in trouble, I'll tell you, if there's one thing that the devil don't want us to do, friend, it's pray. 
because we are powerless. We can do nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We are totally dependent upon him. Without him, we can do nothing. We are nobody in and of ourselves. Everything we are and everything we hope to be is all because of him. It's all of grace. Amen. And prayer is our conduit. It is our connection. Amen. The Bible says to approach the throne of grace boldly that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I say that if there's one area of my life that I'm lacking, if there's one great need that I have, it is to pray. Every great man, if you ask him when he dies, if you ask him, is there any one thing that you would do differently in your life, one thing that you would do differently in your ministry, the majority of all of them have come out and said, I wish that I had prayed more. I know that we need to do, and sometimes I've heard the same, that we sometimes we're so spiritually minded, we're no heavenly good, and I don't know what, what to think about that statement. I really don't understand it. I didn't for a lot of years. I do understand it more. I know you know that we can pray all day and if we don't put legs on our prayers. I, I understand that. I understand that we have to serve the Lord. We have to do. But I'm going to say this, that Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. I just got to, we just got back from Mexico, New Mexico and I uh, was out there preaching and, and during the service a little uh, young Navajo girl came forward, another little boy got to talk to him, another young man. Two or three other people came, and that little lady got saved. I'm telling you, is wonderful little Navajo Indian girl. Got gloriously saved by the grace of God. And, um, and you know, uh, preaching and thinking on that line of prayer and, and, and serving the Lord, you, you know, just, just like the song said, and I'm getting to it. I'm, not try, I'm trying not to lose track, but I know a man who can. That's actually my third point. That's why I keep talking about it. Because So let me just hurry up and get there, okay? We ought to pray without ceasing. Pray fervently. We ought to pray continually. Let's go back to the text now. <clears throat> and he spake a parable unto them to this end. So this was a true thing that had happened. All parables are true. Saying there is... <clears throat> There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, an unjust judge. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. There, just pray for me. A lot of verses are coming to my mind. Amen. But can I say this, that, that police officers, whether you like them or not, they're there for your good. Parents, whether you like your parents or not, they're in your life for good. And what do you mean by that, brother? Well, you've never met even a a bad dad or mom that said, I cannot wait for my children to grow up and be a a wino, a drunk on the street. I can't wait for my child to grow up and go to prison. I can't wait for my daughter to grow up and become a prostitute. Even bad people don't do that. Jesus said, if a son, if a son asks a father for, 
for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks him for a, for a fish, will he give him a serpent? How much more uh, does your heavenly Father know how to give good things to them that ask? In another text it says, to give of his Spirit unto them that ask him. And that's what prayer is. Prayer, amen, is somehow us taking a hold of the hand of God. It is not us getting everything we want when we pray. But prayer, according to the text, this unjust judge, amen, even though he may be a bad man, he's there for good. Amen. And the Bible says that the widow came and she said, Avenge me of mine adversary. Somebody was against her and he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, not out loud to himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continually coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Now the word in another text, in verse 5, he said, Her continual, continual coming, that word is importunity. And the word importunity means exactly this. The continual coming, that beseeching, that not giving up. In Bolivia, if you want to get something done, then you have to go sit on their doorstep. You know what that means? That means you have to persistently be there until your case is taken care of. Because they have a way of doing things in Bolivia and uh, whenever they, uh, like, like for instance, when you buy your car here in the States, you and the owner go to the notary of the public and sign the title, amen, and they put their stamp on it and send it off and in two weeks you get your title back in your name. It just ain't that way in a third world country. Your vehicle's got a stack of papers about that thick. A folder. It'd take you months of legwork to get the paperwork on your vehicle. See, because all vehicles have to be nationalized and then all that kind of thing. And then you got to pay this lawyer to go run and get that piece of paper and and then you got to pay another lawyer that has another tramitador. Uh, tramitador, uh, he's, he's not a lawyer. He's, uh, he's uh, a legal worker, whatever you call that. You know, he knows who to talk to. And then he says, how fast do you want this done? And you say, well, what's that got to do with it? That ain't the way we think. That's, that's robbery. No, he, no, that's the way they do things. How fast do you want it done? Well, I'd like it done this week. Oh, okay. Well, then that'll cost you 500 Bolivianos. Well, what if I wanted it done in a month? He said about 100. I said, well, that ain't right. I said, that's crooked. Hey, boy, and it'll offend them. They're like, oh, no. Oh, no. There's too much work and too little people said, it's just the way it is. You know what I found out? Here in the States, it's the same way. That's, they call it expediting a passport. They just have a fancy name for it. And they have a whole lot bigger price on it, amen. You say, hey, you know, because I've talked to our congressman several times, amen, over the past 20 years, amen. 
Amen. So whenever you look here, uh, the, the unjust judge, he says, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I'll avenge her, lest by her continual coming she with me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth? And I believe the kind of faith he's talking about, amen, is a certain kind of faith. I'm talking about what Jesus had when he come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And they said, Lord, uh, why can you, uh, can we not cast out the devil, uh, but you come down and you can't? Well, obviously he's God. He can do what he wants. He said, but this kind cometh only by prayer and fasting. There's certain type of faith, amen, that God's interested in, and it's real faith, amen. Amen, it's a troubling faith. It's a kind of faith, amen, that depends upon God. Amen, it's a kind of faith, amen, that allows God to work in your life, amen, that, that will not allow you to work outside of His will. See, God... God said here, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Always. Always pray. So we ought to pray without ceasing. We ought to pray fervently. But he's saying here we ought to pray continually. Now we look in the text, and I won't preach on this, but they were moved. Jesus here, if you look in the previous verses, he was moved because of the disease, moved because of sickness. The Bible said he went about healing all disease and all sickness of the people. But then he was moved by weakness. The Bible says uh, in uh, Matthew chapter number 9 and verse number 37, Jesus' prayer request, he says in that place <coughs> when he went about to do all that, he said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he has sent forth labors into his harvest. So Jesus is asking us, amen, he, he's petitioning us to pray. He's asking us to pray. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest he has sent forth labors into his harvest. See, he had just done all that he could do. He had healed the sick. He had He had. You know, done all the miracles. And the Bible says here in this Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, amen, he petitions them with that prayer, amen, because they were weak, because they were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. And he's praying, amen. So this type of prayer is a prayer, amen, of involvement. Men ought always to pray. You know why we don't pray? Can I be honest? Why we don't pray? Can I be honest? We don't pray because we're afraid of God's will sometimes. I'm not talking about non-believers. I'm not even talking to new Christians. I'm talking about pe people that serve God for a little while. A lot of times the reason our prayer life is hindered is because we're not convinced of God's will or we're, not, we're afraid of God's will. The Lord gave me this when Darlene and I were preparing to go to South America as missionaries, God had called us, and, and boy, it was such a comfort. The Lord, Lord helped me with this. 
And, and, I, and I've made this statement hundreds of times. You never have to be afraid of God's will. Boy, that startles some Christians. Especially when you tell them God's called you to go to the other side of the world. I never thought about it this way. But they, Brother Steve, they're probably looking at me like, that man's a lunatic. You don't have to be afraid of God's will. Darlene, we'd go to churches and Darlene say, she'd come out of the car and she'd just be bowling mad. I said, what's wrong, sweetheart? She said, nothing. I said, well, something's wrong. What's wrong? Was my preaching that bad? No. I said, well, what's going on? She said that the lady, she said, honey, they have good intention. She said, but some of them just walk up to me and look me right in the eye and say, are you really going to take your children down there to that third world country? Are you really going to take them down there to that nastiness? She said, she said, this will break my heart. She said, it'll make me mad. But see, they don't have, they didn't have, they didn't have what we had. I look back sometimes on the things that we did, and I tell her, I said, honey, unto the Lord, we was, we was crazy. We didn't do that, did we? But we did. How did we do it? How did Peter walk on the water? I mean, how did he do it? It's because he asked him. He said, Lord, he said, if it's you, it's me coming. I remember, brother, God called me to Bolivia, and I was scared to death, and I told God, I said, God, I'll go if you'll be there when I get there. Oh, brother, I'm telling you, he thundered from heaven. He said, before the world was, I am son. And I was there long before you get there. And when you're gone, I'll be there. And they're my people and it's my land. Amen. Yeah. Oh, I said, yes, sir. I said, well, Lord, just like Peter asked you, Lord, if bids me coming to you. <laughs> and there we went walking on the water. Amen. I thought, how are we going to do it? How are we going to do this? I don't know how you do it. I don't know how it happened. How do you raise a family? I remember young families, you know, people would say, you know, we're, we want to have children. They say, well, we're going to wait till we can afford them, you know. And I thought, I told Darlene, I said, honey, she says to me, yes, she said, yes, she said, when we had our first baby, when mama passed away, she told me this yesterday, she said, when mama passed away, she said, I didn't have any clothes that fit me, and I wore a lot of mama's dresses. And as a husband, boy, it broke my heart. I thought, mercy days. I thought I was taking good care of my wife. I thought I was providing for her. And she said, honey, you not remember how bad it was and how you didn't have no work? I said, hush, woman. I said, really, don't say that. I said, it hurts me, amen. Amen. And she said, I said, I know, but that's how it was. Boy, God had me hemmed up, and he... I didn't have a whole lot of work when we first got married. But I can remember sitting there on that couch, amen, just soaking up God's Word and reading His Word and saying, Oh, God, will you direct us? Lord, will you use us? Are you sure you want me to preach? God, will you help us? First time I ever preached, I fasted three days. Amen. And prayed at my rock altar because I was scared to death. Amen. To preach. Second time I preached. I fasted three days to preach the first time, the second time I ever preached. 
I was scared absolutely to death. Can I say, hey, whenever we pray and God, He He puts it in us. Amen. Prayer, amen, is is not us getting God's getting what we want. Let me just say the outline here. Prayer is not getting everything you ask for. Number two, prayer is not losing your faith in God. Amen. Number three, prayer is believing God can. Prayer is believing that God can. And I know a man who can. Amen. Some call him Savior. Amen. I wish I'd just go on and sing a while, but I better finish preaching. Amen. Prayer's not getting everything you ask for. It's a relationship that can change the mind of God on your behalf. If I didn't believe that, friend, I would not pray. You say, but I have to pray God's will be done. Yes, there is that aspect. I mean, there's the truth of that, and I'm getting to that. But prayer, I mean, it's not getting everything you want. Amen, but it is believing that you can change the mind of God. See, Moses uh, turned God's mind. God was determined to judge the people. And Moses interceded. And he said, oh, but God, if you destroy them, once you've delivered them from Egypt, what will the world say? Oh, ain't you glad, amen, that God can be touched? We have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He's touched. That means he's moved. That means he's compassionate. He's understanding. Amen. And his mind can be changed. That's scary to preach. And probably without 30 years experience, I wouldn't preach it. I've been married, been preaching for nearly that long since 1994. Next year will be four years, 30 years preaching. But there's sometimes when you pray, and when I pray, I know when I have made it through. I mean, there is a difference in praying and praying. I'm talking about there is a moment, and I'm telling you, say, Brother Fanning, you're Pentecostal. No, Baptists are old-fashioned. And we were serving God long before the Suzu Street Revival for you. Giving our life and keeping that scripture. Christians have been called Christian for a long time. And a Baptist, amen. We come from a long line, amen, of people that walk with God, amen, and touch the, the veil of the garment, amen. I'm saying that whenever we pray, there's, it's one thing to pray, but it's another thing to pray. The old timers called it praying through. Praying through or getting behind the veil. You know, you can call it what you want to, but there's just sometimes when you get so close to Him, you feel your petition. I mean, you feel your petition before Him, and you can say to Him, Lord, if you would just breathe on this situation, Lord, if you would just look, if you would just look that way, Lord, if you would just think on this, 
Oh, and you can feel the very heart of God. You can hear. Amen. You can, you can, with a spiritual life, by faith, amen. By faith, amen, we see. The Bible said without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is to be sought after. God longs, amen, for us to continually come to him and to seek him. And I'll just say this morning to the church, just keep on praying. Just keep on praying, amen. Just keep on praying. Men ought always to pray. I'm telling you that I think that verse of scripture said that there's teaches us that there's never an inopportune moment to, moment to pray, and I believe that the scripture teaches us that we ought to be. Yes, I've read some of the books and stuff in an attitude of prayer. You know, we ought to always be in an attitude of prayer. I'm not always, you know, but it would help me a lot if I were. I'd say, me and Darlene, sometimes we have discussions. I'm sure you married people ain't never had none of them. But sometimes I think that one of the best things we can do, and we do, we do, we'll stop and pray sometimes. But my prayer kind of does this thing right here. Whenever you're aggravated and you just stop and pray, your prayer kind of does this thing. Boom. It's kind of like that. So I was talking to a friend of mine down in Bolivia. He's a he's a Bolivian pastor, and he's he counsels and he has uh, he has earned diplomas and things. And he said, for every year of marriage, or for every year of life, have I shared this with y'all? For every year of life, he said, you've heard of counting to ten when you get aggravated when you. You know, you know what I'm saying? Are y'all with me this morning? In church, same thing. Church, this works in church, not just in marriage. With your children, works too. He said, for every year of life, he said, you need one minute, he said, to calm down when you get aggravated. So, you know, when you was 14, you could count to 10. Well, you're probably going to have to count upwards of 1,000 if you're 50. What I'm saying is, for every year of life, when you're 15 years old, in 10 or 15 minutes, you can get over getting aggravated. But when you're a half a century old like I am, see that gray hair? When you're half a century old, it takes almost an hour. That's 50 minutes. Can I be sincere? I used to train horses, and a young horse, I could correct a young horse. And it'd get aggravated, but in just a minute it would settle down and I could go right back to working with it. But I learned till they settle down, don't do much good to work with them because they're mad. But I, somebody could bring me an old horse, horses 15, 18 years old, and it'd do something to me correct that horse, and that thing get mad, it'd stand there just a paw on the ground. And i go in the barn, go do something else, Come back an hour later, and that thing's still. Fall on the ground. I go back in the barn. Go do something else. Come back in just a little while. 
And it finally, it finally got over it. Something about that, ain't it? I'm going to tell you what the devil wants is he wants us to not pray. Because he trembles when the saints are on their knees. See, we're, we're powerless to, to stand, we kneel. To see, we close our eyes. Amen. And with eyes of faith, we take the hand of the Master and allow Him to lead us. Amen. Where He wants us to go and empower us. Amen. To do the things that He's called us to do and to believe on Him. Amen. And to trust Him with our life. Not taking matters into our own hands. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But we must pray. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Whenever you look at this, this morning in closing, prayer is not getting everything you ask for. It is a relationship that can change the mind of God. Number two, prayer is not losing your faith. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. The word faint means to get discouraged to a point of giving up. Fainting. If you think about somebody fainting, you know, or falling, you know, falling down and fainting. My mom, when she had my oldest sister, she was in high school and she fainted four or five times while she was in high school. And, and the other day, <coughs> she's 84 and 80, how old's mom? 82 now. She's 82 now. And she said her and daddy was at the car wash, she was washing her van. And, she said, I leaned over to wipe that mirror off. And she said, I had this feeling come over me. And she said, I remember from whenever I was first carrying Tammy. And she said, I knew I was fixing to faint. She said, but there wasn't nothing I could do, son. And she fell over. She was laying right there in the middle of the car wash. Scared my daddy to death. She fainted. I come down there. I, was, I come back from New Mexico the next day and and they didn't tell me nothing about it. And I went down there to visit and daddy began to tell me. He said, yes, son. He said, your mama was laying there in the car washing. My daddy uses a walker. He can't walk fast. But he said, I ran. I ain't seen my daddy run in 35 years. He said, I ran out to the highway. And he said, I'm trying to get somebody. My daddy can't use a phone. He don't know how to use these modern phones. And he said, I couldn't get nobody. And he said, I run back over there to your mama. And he said, son, he said, I thought your mama just died. And my daddy was crying. He said, I thought she died. She said, Wayne. She said, I didn't know that. You didn't tell me that. He said, well, he said, in just a minute, he said, you reached up and grabbed my arm. He said, it scared me to death. I said, well, what did you, you do to get her to wake up, daddy? He said, I just kept hollering at her, Sandy, Sandy, are you Okay. Sometimes as a child of God, we faint. We get discouraged. I'm telling you, we just quit. We lay down. We give up. But I'm telling you, thank God there's one in heaven, amen. And this keeps a calling on us, amen. And he keeps hollering at us and saying, Hey, men all always to pray and not to fade. Just keep on praying. Just keep on praying. Just keep on praying. I'll tell you, if we'll pray and we'll get a hold of the hand of God, God can move on our behalf.
God can do what we could never do. God can do the impossible. I told my wife yesterday, I mean, I woke up with that song yesterday on my mind. Is anything too hard for God? Is there a problem? You have no power to solve some. Is there situations you're not the master of? Is anything too hard for God? Hey, I like this last point because, hallelujah, not only is prayer not getting everything you ask for and prayer is not losing your faith in God, but allowing the Holy Spirit to convince you of God's will. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. You don't have to turn there, I'll turn. But Romans chapter number 8. I love Romans 8. It's my favorite chapter in the Bible. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 26 says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us. Ain't you glad that's in the Bible? Miss Penny, ain't you glad that when life is out of our hands, I mean, when there's nothing we can do about it, there is one that we can touch, amen, that will intercede, yes. But there is one within, amen, that prays what I don't know what to say. The Bible says here in verse 26, it says, Maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Yes, we can change God's mind, but God is never going to deviate from what he knows is right. See, God cannot do anything but right. God, that's why God can't lie. If God, could, if God was fallible, then this world would not exist. We wouldn't exist. It would be all over. But you know what, sister? He's not fallible. He's infallible. He's unmovable, unshakable. Amen. He has a determined will. Amen. And I'm glad, I don't know how he does it, but he does it, amen. Amen, he allows us to get in on it. Amen, I I don't understand it, I I just preach it. You say, Brother Fanning, what you said contradicts, you're contradicting yourself. No, I'm telling you it's bigger than we are. God is in control. Amen, He, he knows the end from the beginning. But I'm going to tell you, we can touch him for our children. We can touch him for our grandbabies. We can touch him for a lost world that don't know Christ. Oh, we can share the truth of the glorious gospel. Amen. Amen. Uh, Through the workings of the Holy Spirit. We can share, amen, what good things the Lord hath done when he died on Calvary. And when he was buried, and when he rose again, I told Darlene the other morning, I said, Honey, I had the thought, you know, that the Lord, you know, he was forsaken. 
Amen. So I won't be forsaken. And I told him that. I said, Lord, I hate what you went through in Psalms 22. I hate those Psalms, that, Lord, those intimate times that Brother Range was talking about. Those, those intimate hours. Amen. Many Psalms will have record of what was going on in his prayer towards God. The greatest picture we have of prayer, amen, of not giving up is when the Lord prayed 40 days and 40 nights there in the wilderness. Daniel prayed 21 days, amen, and it don't mean that God didn't hear, but Daniel kept on praying. And he said, Daniel, why are you just praying? The king of Persia was fighting with me. The devil done got in Iraq. Amen. Devil done got into Russia. Amen. You know what I'm saying. And the Lord said, I was taking care of some business over there, Daniel. But whenever you, whenever you were troubled and you set yourself to, to fight, can I say this this morning? I have never sought for God and not been found of Him. Never. You say, well, that's not the way it is with me, Brother Fanning. You just keep on praying. Don't you give up. Just because God ain't answered today don't mean God's not going to answer. Just because you can't see that he's doing something don't mean he ain't working. He is working, amen. Hallelujah, I can bust friend. When we pray... You say, well, I ain't never made it out to this prayer exactly like I want to pray. Well, can I be honest? A lot of my prayers are just me saying, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't even know what to say. But you just pour yourself out before him. And you just, amen, you just say, oh, Lord. Oh, God. Whatever it is that you say. Amen, not, not words, but men ought always to pray and not to faint. Just keep on praying. You know why? Because prayer is believing that God can. I want y'all to come up and sing that song again. That'd be all right, Brother Ains. That'd be, be soothing, wouldn't it? That'd be all right, brother. Well, y'all had a good day here in the house of the Lord and and you're praying for your preachers. He's away preaching. And you had good services this morning, good singing. And you had good Sunday school. And I've done what I can to mind the Lord. Boy, if you got anything in your life, got anything that you need, got to do something about. That song says, it's anything too hard for God. No. You know why? Because I know a man who can. You know, that story goes something like that little little boy. He's on the playground, and them, them other boys are bullying on him, and they're uh, beating him up, and he hollered out, Brother! <laughs> and about that time, his big brother come walking up, and everybody scattered. And I'm going to tell you, all this has to happen is for our elder brother, our heavenly father, our Lord Jesus, to step up in the middle of our situation and say, hold on, that's enough. Now we're going to do this and this and this and 
Ain't nobody going to say nothing about it. Y'all sing in your mind the Lord. Amen.